Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. We respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. We recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland based in Rockhampton. And this episode, as promised from the last episode, I've got Kim Fredericks back. Kim is our Regional Director, of course. Welcome to the next episode, Kim. Thank you, Trudy. It came around quickly. It sure did. And um, Kim, as I said in the last episode, this one is a bit of a special one because it's Kind of your last hurrah, and I made a joke about you might be the first person to retire from the department that has their own podcast episode, yes. just to, just to recognise <laughs> and, and acknowledge your retirement. So let's start with our one-word barometer. What would be your one word for today, and how are you? Ah, yeah, I'm, I'm well uh, today, thanks, Trudy. I think my word for today would be grateful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. super. Hmm. And um, I'm going to go with grounded. I've been out in schools and it's been yes. great to get out and visit um, and see the work that our principals and our young people and a couple of small schools today. So it was great to reconnect with those uh, young learners in our small rural schools and see the work, the great work that they are doing. So as I said, this is um, a special episode I wanted to do with you, Kim, to mark that you are finishing up at the end of the month. And um, it really is a great opportunity uh, to collect some wisdom and have a little bit of fun too, I hope, in the next yes. half hour, maybe a little longer. And um, I'm thinking that this could be beneficial for brand new beginning teachers right through to people who've been in leadership roles for many years because it's always fascinating when you hear people's stories and the wisdom that they have from years of experience. Yeah. So let's uh, let's unpack all those years to start with. Let's kick off with, Kim, if you could give us a snapshot of your life journey in becoming a school leader. Oh, thanks, Trudy. Well, look, you know, I'm really privileged, I have to say, because I started my career as a secondary teacher of um, English and history, a little bit of geography thrown in for good measure too. Uh, and uh, then I uh, ended my principalship as a primary principal. Uh, it's been, as I said, privilege. It's been wonderful to feel that um, I've had the opportunity to work P, um, which was preschool back then, uh, and now prep through to uh, year 12. So, yes, it's been great. But uh, I guess... You know, I taught for seven years as a secondary teacher in two schools, in Hewenden and then uh, a school which doesn't exist anymore in, um, in Wynnum and uh, Wynnum North State High School. I guess I was inspired to be a leader, not because I ever thought of myself as a leader, to be honest, because I was a very shy, introverted teacher, lacked confidence, never really put myself out there. 
and uh, we had a position called senior mistress. <laughs> and uh, most people were too young to remember that, but um, I'd go and visit her at lunchtime, you know, about an issue or whatever, and uh, she'd be doing her knitting. And I remember thinking, I can do better than that. And uh, so I applied to be a senior mistress and uh, lo and behold, the inspectors, two inspectors came for two days and watched me teach and talk to me and I got on the list and uh, I became a senior mistress at St George uh, State High School. And from there, I went on to be a deputy principal in a high school, uh, back to Brisbane, Newmarket State High School. <laughs> Once again, another school that doesn't exist anymore. I don't know what that says about it. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, from there, well, I acted for a couple of years, actually, as principal of that high school. And then I had the great joy, my favourite um, leadership position in the principal ranks, which was... Um, principal of a P10 in June State School and I look back at, at, at that as my fa most favourite principalship of all now. Uh, and then I went on to Roma 410 uh, Middle School, Roma Middle School where I know you you worked, um, Trudy, not at the same time as me but uh, yeah I'm sure you like me have great memories of mm. Roma Middle School. And then I became principal of Sandy Strait State School in Harvey Bay, primary school, Peter 7 back then. And from there, I, I uh, became a teaching and learning auditor for a year, which was the most wonderful learning experience of my career. Then an ARD in North Queensland region. And then here I am, uh, my two-week stint as regional director of uh, this region, wonderful region, CQ, became yeah where I am now into about my sixth year so it's just wonderful Trudy um, I've had great uh, a great uh, career and I'm very very privileged I'm using that word a lot today but I'm very privileged to be finishing my career uh, in uh, central Queensland very proud of this region and uh, the future that it will have yeah yeah and haven't those six years gone quickly when you think yes. about it yeah flown yeah. Then I'm going to take you all the way back to yes. being a beginning teacher at Hewenden and that place yes. I'm also familiar with because I spent yeah. some time in Richmond. But mm. what advice would you give to yourself as a beginning teacher? Oh, look, um, Trudy, I think, and I say this, I've said it to the, a couple of the principals leading in learning days and I think I, yeah, I wrote it in my update. You know, there's no such thing as a silly question. And, and ask, you know, if you don't know, ask. I'm a product of uh, the days when, uh, well, well, I don't think this was the case in every school, but I had no induction or support. Here's your classes, Kim, and away you go. So, you know, just fortunate that I had great um, people teaching in the classroom next door who could, could assist. And so I think just ask for help, ask for guidance, um, don't be afraid. If you need to, whatever it is you need to know, just ask. And there are always people who are going to be willing willing to help. And that probably sounds very simplistic, but I think it, it needs to be simplistic. I think we can overcomplicate things and overthink things. Uh, you know, you're not alone and the greatest support you'll ever get comes from collaborating with others. Yeah. I can see um, this episode's going to have a bit of reminiscing yes. <laughs> because as you're talking, I'm thinking about 
Mm. Um, the information explosion and, and all the information that is out there for us as educators that we need to be over, aware of, understand, find, access, it's, it really is yeah. overwhelming. Yes. And, um, and so just ask is just such sensible advice because no one can possibly be expected to know it all. No. Uh, and it's more about knowing who to ask and how to find the information you need. And yeah. and I was grinning because I was thinking back to, to you know, and I'm going to share these because you will remember them, you know, when all of the department's policies and procedures actually sat in folders yes. in the principal's office and when yes. the new policy procedure came out, you took out the old pages, yes. you put in the new pages yes. as per the instructions. Mm-hmm. And similarly with our curriculum documents, mm. they sat on one shelf in the library exactly. and we could spend hours um, reminiscing about all the different versions of those but yes. it's very contained and easy to access and, in and um, yeah. I was talking to someone earlier today uh, Trudy and they were saying you know when I, they were asking me when I was a principal how did I manage and I said well you know you've got to remember when I was a principal at first there was snail mail and everything came in the mail so you had no emails you had no mobile phones you had no pressure to respond to everything in five minutes <laughs> as we tend to now. Yep. So, yeah, completely different world, um, far more balls to juggle today as a mm. leader. Uh, and, you know, lots of positives too. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we go back to the old days, but, um, yeah, it was a different world, a completely different world. Uh, like I can remember it, being, it was 1992 when I saw my first mouse and I was thinking, well, how do I even use this? Why do I want this? You know, attached to a computer, and I, you know, it was like a, it was like a revelation, and it was going to be an absolute nuisance for me to have to learn to use a mouse. <laughs> but now, of course, you know, what would we do without a mouse? <laughs> well, now we don't even. We have, you know, trackpads yeah, and fingers. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm. So, Kim, what were some of your key early career leadership learning and experiences yeah. aside from discovering the mouse <laughs> yes yes the mouse the dreaded mouse um look i'm probably going to answer this maybe a little bit differently trudy because when i was thinking about um you know for me it, it was about coming to the table uh as a learner and you know that's probably not really answering your question exactly as a as a leader but then I suppose in a way it is like if, as far as I'm concerned if you're not a, a learner as a leader then you're really um, going to struggle because um, you have to there's so much as you just indicated to learn back from the day when you know you went to the principal's office for the little I think they were red folders weren't they uh, so much to learn um, nowadays, or so much to access, sorry, nowadays. Um, so you have to be a learner. So, you know, that sounds, once again, really simplistic. But to me, be a learner. Read, talk to your colleagues, find out everything you, you need to know. Um, and the other thing about um, being a leader that's really important to me and I learnt a long time back was be willing to listen and, you know, always respect the views of others even if you don't agree with them, because you're going to make a lot of mistakes along your way. And if you don't um, learn from those mistakes, then that can be very problematic. And I suppose the other thing I'd tie in with that is pick your battles, because you know you, you can quite readily lose some battles to win the war. You don't have to take everything on. 
So listen, be a learner, respect others and, you know, be willing to, you know, look at what are the things that you really have to go hard after that are going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's great advice right there. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) We we could wrap it up, but we won't. So, Kim, tell us about this goal of yours, about visiting every school in central Queensland, and Mm -hmm. how are you going with that? Well, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, the disappointment to me, Trudy, is that it's taken me so long, because when I said it, you know, I just thought, obviously, it'd be not easy, because the distances are incredible, but I thought it would be doable. Who knew it would take me so long? I have two to go, Um, Estate Creek and, um, you know, the Fairburn... Uh, Dam um, Environmental Education Centre, which I'm covering off next week, and then I, I proudly will have done them all, including the two that, or the th- one that's closed and the two that are currently mothballed. <laughs> yeah. I've been to them too, and of course there are many schools that I've been to, you know, many times, but I have achieved um, the goal, and I think you know it's been it's been critical to me that I know every school in the region, I know where it is, I've met the people. I mean, sadly. Some principals out there wouldn't even know I've been to their school, perhaps, because there's been, uh, you know, our our principal turnover is um, quite significant. So I'm disappointed it's taken me so long, but I think you well know and everyone listening would well know that it hasn't been that I've been sitting down in my knitting (laughs) and avoiding going to those schools. Um, There's been plenty of other things to keep me occupied in the meantime. I'll I'll leave it so I can't even quite imagine you knitting in your retirement, Kim. No, no. Gardening, yes. (laughs) Yes. Photography, yes. Knitting, no. My knitting days are behind me, I think. (laughs) Now, uh, this isn't about having favourites and it's not in the questions that I gave you, but from your school visits, is there anything that just jumps out at you as a special memory? Oh, yeah, I'd have to say mostly the kids, like... I should say the students, shouldn't I? You know, at a couple of schools, I have had guided tours by students and it's just been priceless, you know, really priceless, the things that they've shown me and pointed out, you know, everything from flood marks to, you know, this is our special seat we go to when we need someone to talk to and and so on. But, yeah, I do have, you know, I can't say I have favourite schools, but I do have favourites in terms of some of the most picturesque and beautiful places that you could go to and they're in CQ and it's just amazing. Yeah. I won't list them because I don't want to offend anyone, but, yeah, we just have some magics, uh, well, little schools, but also uh, big schools as well. And, you know, some million-dollar views and, yeah, yeah just, just lovely. Yeah. And I have to say, too, um, on a Friday, and, and I'm sure many of our principals know that we have a a leadership team mm. meeting, um, mm. virtual leadership team meeting for two yes. hours on a Friday and often with our check-ins you come back with a big smile on your face and, mm. and tell yes. the stories of the students and, yes. and what you've yes. seen and the yes. conversations you've had in the week which uh, right. is yeah. a good way to finish on a Friday because sometimes yeah. that can be a bit rugged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's Let's go to this question now. What do you believe to be true about leadership? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, Trudy, I've got lots of ideas in this space, but I'm going to um, start with one that's, you know, very, very important to me, um, and that's having courage. To be a leader, 
you've got to have courage and people have heard me say this probably many times because you will be judged whether you like it or not uh, so if you're going to put your out, yourself out there you have to have courage you've got to have steel in your backbone um, that's really important but for me um, you know a message a lasting message that well it's a lasting message for me I don't know whether it'll be a lasting message for others but but at one, uh, you know, a supervisor I had once um, talked about power and control, and I've, I've adopted this uh, as my own sort of mantra. For me, leadership is absolutely not about power. It's not about control, and it's most certainly not about ego. And I'm, I'm really passionate about that. It's a, it's about wanting to lead in order to make a difference. Getting out of bed every day to come to work to think, well, I'm going to make a difference um, for students um, today and the staff who who work with them, leading um, for the good of others. Because as I said, a former supervisor of mine said, if you have to use power, you haven't got any, and mm -hmm. I do believe that. That's not to say sometimes you have to use your positional power, um, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it's about having courage to lead and to make a difference that's what I'm really well that's what I'm passionate about and you know you know my mantra hope is not a strategy too so but I do hope um, that I have modeled that in my leadership it's um it speaks to me Kim around leadership as in service you know yes yeah yeah service to others yeah, absolutely. Yeah, up from when I was a tiny little girl, riding in chalk on a wall on the side of my house in the beautiful little town of Allara on the Darling Downs, I only ever wanted to be a teacher. I never dreamed of doing anything else. And um, you know, and I used to line up my two little sisters to be my students and rope in my older brother sometimes reluctantly. But it, to me, it was always about um, making a difference for someone else. And yeah, I've, I've been wedded to that. Yeah. Mm. So, do you have favourite or recommended leadership books? Um, I suppose I, I actually love Steve Munby. Mm. I love his book Imperfect Leadership, which I know we've um, shared with our uh, principals, and I love it because it's straight from the heart. It's about reading someone's story of their journey and their leadership and, and what they they said. Um, so yeah, that's that's my all-time favourite. Like, there's lots of books about leadership that I could have cited, but that that's the one for me. It, wow. it, it and it resonates with me because he's telling us we don't have to be perfect, mm. and he's absolutely right. No one should expect any of us as leaders to be perfect. Mm. Yeah, and you did speak about it mm. uh, on our Central Queensland virtual conference last year, and I know that there were in the conference boxes that went out mm. some people got that book and some, some people didn't, didn't and yeah. some people who didn't get it felt ripped off because they didn't have the book that you'd recommended Kim oh. so uh, oh, now right. that they hear you prompt again perhaps they're about to go and go get and themselves a co copy yeah, yeah. or borrow it from one of their colleagues mm. yeah so uh, you often say the phrase about things keeping you awake at night yes <laughs> so uh, what is keeping you awake at night oh okay uh, Trudy good question I've got a few things I don't know how, you know we don't want this to be uh, too long-winded do we but I suppose um, and I've talked about it quite a bit since it really started to worry me last year and that's um, 
uh, and I don't want this to sound critical either, but that's this, this overall view that I have that we don't all share a collective understanding of, of our state or Commonwealth for that matter legislation. We don't all share a common common view and understanding of governance and, and we don't have to be expert, don't get me wrong, we don't have to know every one of those voluminous policies and procedures by heart. We've got to know how to access them and above all else we've got to deliver for our, our both our staff and our students in this case. So that, that keeps me awake at night and particularly uh, well, in a general sense, definitely, but particularly in the space of inclusion, mm. and you'd expect me to say that, Trudy, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I am disappointed. I am disappointed in, in leaving my role um, and not knowing that we still have a whole lot of work to do in that space. Like, I know we're well positioned and I know people will continue that, that work, but I am disappointed that there's still elements of resistance and gatekeeping and so on um, that that yeah it doesn't align with the way that we we do business because it's 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 a particular passion of mine so yeah that's that's it that's what that gives me more gray hairs Trudy yeah well, let, well let's flip it then because we kind of heard a piece of regret in there so let's yes. flip it to uh, what do you hope is your legacy? And I'm going to say hope's not a strategy, but, mm. but what do you hope is your legacy? Well, I think um, my legacy is a region uh, in which we have uh, respectful, uh, largely child and student-focused, uh, a child and student-focused paradigm um, and, a, and a, a region where we're striving for constant improvement. I think that's the... The legacy piece. You know, I love it. our regional self-assessment called out our culture, and the fact that um, people understand what it is we're on about. Doesn't mean we've delivered on all of it, of course, but everyone knows what we're on on about. So, to me, Trudy, that's the legacy piece. Yeah, and the, there are certainly um, great pieces to be celebrated around the journey that yeah. the region has been on. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So what have been some of your proudest moments and greatest passion as a leader? Well, look, I never, uh, you know, I might have said a bit earlier, like I never set out to be a leader, Trudy. I'm only here as a, I never aspired to be a, an ARD, for example, or an RD. It came, you know, other people believed in me and saw things in me that I didn't see and encouraged me. So, you know, I'm, I'm really... Um, grateful um you know for that um i'm proud and passionate about and i say this genuinely with all sincerity finishing my career here it's a highlight like injun was my favorite school but you know in in other more corporate um leadership positions this is this is my favorite i loved being an ard don't get me wrong and i still miss you know that principal side of the work passionately when I go into schools I want to take off my RD hat and put on my ARD hat but um, you know it's just such a privilege to have worked in 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 such a vast um, and all-consuming region but but one where um, 
you know, there's such an attitude um, to make a difference. You know, it's just been overwhelmingly um, positive. And, you know, I, as I said to a group of principals, I think it was yesterday or in the day before, like I'm just, I'm just so proud to have the team, the regional team that um, I've had uh, to work with too because, you know, great people who I'm going to miss, um, you know, dreadfully um, in my day-to-day business as I go about it in my new world. But, um, yeah, it's just been such a privilege and I'm really proud of that, yeah. really proud. Mm. It is an awesome region. Mm. And such diversity too, mm. both in its environment but in the people as yes, well. Which absolutely. And, and the differentiated context, context, sorry, you know, that's why I was so passionate about getting out there and seeing it all from Birdsville to, you know, Miriam Vale and, you know, everywhere in between and, and up north to Bloomsbury and the like. Just such amazing countryside. And, and you know, I have to say, I, I, I thinking about this as I'm talking, I, I didn't sort of note this down when I was going through my thoughts for what we're going to talk about, Trudy, but but the kids, like I just love talking to um, the, the students, doesn't matter whether they're high school or primary, like on balance they are so polite and so willing to have a conversation with me, a complete stranger, and show me their work and talk about their learning walls or their aspirations, and it's just, oh, it's just such a joy. Yeah, yeah, such yeah, a joy. Yeah. Mm. That is for sure. Mm. Okay, let's flip it up. <laughs> What's your favourite place to eat in CQ? Oh, this is a hard question. This is a hard question to answer, <laughs> Trudy, because I'm so boring. I very rarely go out. But I happen to love, um, I love True Fusion, the Indian restaurant here in Rockhampton. It's lovely, good Indian food. Wow. It is, it is quite yummy. I'm really surprised you didn't say the cry. Oh, well, yeah. There's a good steak sandwich there. Oh, what about <laughs> Sorbello's in Mackay? Yeah, no, I can take or leave pasta, even though that's a lovely restaurant. Yeah, no, I can take and leave and did pasta. And what did you eat at the Birdsville pub, just out of curiosity? Oh, goodness me. Um, oh, I was focused on other things at the Birdsville <laughs> pub, Trudy. Um, oh, well, I we won't go there. No, no, no. I can't <laughs> I remember what I ate at the Birdsville pub. But having said that, um, I need to give a plug. There is another place that I've just thought about that I'd forgotten. The motel in Mundubra serves the most delicious food too. How could I have forgotten oh, that? get out of town. No, Are that's you your saying... own hometown. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I was no, gonna... it does. Beautiful food. Mm. Right, well, there you go. Top recommendations from the boss, Mundubra. <laughs> And that, is it the Billabong? Yes, the Billabong, that's it. Hmm. Yeah, great. Right, well, now we'll get a little more serious again. Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help it. Kim, what's your prediction for the NRL <laughs> in this coming season? Well, anyone who's listening to me will think this is my joke for the day, but it's actually not the Broncos. I'm going to hang in with them. Wow, you're such a loyal <laughs> I'm supporter. Loyal. Yeah, loyal to the end. <laughs> I'm not a footy supporter, so should I ask, where did they come last season, Kim? Oh, almost last, Trudy. That's okay. It's a new year. <laughs> Optimistic. Yes. <laughs> okay, so back to some more serious questions. If you had your time again, name one thing you'd do differently. I would um, teach overseas for a year. Wow. That's the one thing I regret not doing. Like I would love to have taught in 
Canada or Borneo or I wouldn't mind it where, but just just teach overseas, just to have a uh, not a standard of comparison, I suppose, but another experience. Like I'm fortunate in my career, I have got to travel to schools mm. in uh, China and Mos yeah, Russia, Moscow of all places. Um, so that was just wonderful. But yeah, I regret not taking some time to actually teach overseas. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. So who's the leader uh, you most admire? Or who inspires mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. Or which five people would you invite to dinner? Okay. Well, well, I might. Uh, so it's an all question. I don't have to answer both, <laughs> or I can. Um, look, I'm going to say I, I'm going to answer the five people for dinner. So I'm going to have Barack Obama, because um, you, thank you, Trudy, you've just given me becoming the Michelle Obama. Um, autobiography and I'm right into it and I think I would love to meet that man and have a chat to him. Uh, Tim Winton, mm -hmm. the author of my favourite book, Cloud Street. Uh, Peter Garrett from Midnight Oil. What a mix! Well, he's, he's a, he strikes me as a really quirky man, so I'd love to have a chat to him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to have Albert Facey. And Albert Facey is the author of a book called A Fortunate Life. Mm. And I've probably talked about that before too, but um, you know he had the most terrible hard life. But he he thinks it's fortunate. So I'd love to have him around for dinner and have a chat. And then um, a lady who um, I don't even know whether I can pronounce her last name correctly. So I'm going to say Mara Boone and hope that I've got her last name right. But she's the uh, Australian Conservation Foundation chairperson. So. They're my five people I'd have for dinner. What an amazing mix. Mm. Mm. And the last lady mm. with the Conservation Foundation, yes. I understand that with your interest in the outdoors. And, yes. Um, but let's just dig into a couple of those. Now, A Fortunate Life, did you by happen to teach that as a text? As I did, and it's a funny story, um, Trudy, because I was teaching... Uh, I'm going to say year 11, I think it was year 11, but it could have even been year 12 English. And, you know, that was one of my favourite things. I love teaching senior English. Um, and I had um, an, quite an elderly um, uh, teacher in that faculty with me. And I remember saying to the HOD, uh, you know, we were all having a meeting, which books we were going to teach. And um, I said, you know, like I'm probably what I fourth year teacher maybe fifth year teacher if that I said well I'm going to teach and it was a choice I had so I wasn't doing anything radical I said I'm going to teach a fortunate life and she looked at me down her nose and she said Kim you cannot teach that that is not literature <laughs> and I said I looked at her I must have had a bit more courage by then and not been quite so introverted I said no I'm going to teach it because it's an amazing Australian book and uh, the the kids in my class are going to really relate to this and find meaning in it. And so I hung in there and I taught A Fortunate Life and those students did love it. Mm. Yeah, well, I kind of recall it as being on the book list mm. when I was yes. studying yeah. Um, yeah. senior. And Tim Winton, I know, is one of your favourite authors. I think you might have referenced him in the podcast episode right back at the beginning of last year. Yes, yeah. And I, I've had the opportunity, Trudy, when I was in Townsville to go to James Cook University and hear him talking about uh, one of his books. Yeah, and it was amazing. 
They signed it for me. Wow. Mm. And Barack Obama, now, I know you've got Michelle's mm. autobiography, as you said, and it is a great read. I loved it too, and I thought you would enjoy it. Um, Barack's actually got a book out yes, too, so yes. that might be your next my, read. Yeah, my next. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. You'll have time for that now. I will. Can't wait <laughs> to read. <laughs> right. Um, let's see, where are we up to? Well, good link. What are you most looking forward to in your retirement? Um, well, I'm looking forward to being able to spend um, more time with my two girls and their partners. Um, that's really exciting. Um, and I guess that goes without saying, spending time with family is critical to me. Uh, then the other big thing is, of course, travelling around Australia and doing my favourite thing, camping and exploring and, yeah, spotting things. Okay, now I'm, I'm going off, that's fine, off yeah. script here too because... <laughs> We have had a running joke in the leadership team about the caravan of courage. So now might be the time that you explain the caravan of courage and what that's about. And perhaps you could then tell us about your own ambitions with caravans and off off road camping. Yes. Well, um, we back in twenty sixteen, Trudy, it was. You'll remember we we knew we had a journey to implement the Australian curriculum. So we were creating a learning wall and I can't quite remember how we decided on the road. Maybe that was your idea, if I remember correctly. Well, I'm not sure. But anyway, we ended up with a, with a, a nice, long, windy bitumen road and our final destination, 2020, the fairground at the end was, you know, full implementation of the Australian curriculum. And um, as soon as I saw the road, I don't even know why, but it popped into my head that we should call our learning wall, wall the Caravan of Courage. And so that stuck. And, of course, we had the little car with the relevant ARDs, depending on the office, in the front two seats and myself in the back, mm -hmm. um, doing the back seat driving uh, with the caravan attached, and off we went. Mm. Uh, and then uh, we've had many funny uh, occasions to with JKs. Yes. Uh -huh, and we... And the lovely Kay Kirkman coined the phrase, if it's just about you, check out, <laughs> after a, a famous caravan speech that I won't go into now, that I made at a particular regional gathering. And, uh, yeah, so I spy to I get myself a really small uh, hybrid-type caravan, so more a camper than a caravan. So uh, when I retire, I'll be, I've done lots of research. Uh, I'll be going to have a look at uh, one in particular that takes my fancy. Hmm. Well, I hope you somehow share some of your adventures and experiences with us. Oh, I'm sure down I the can. Track some, oh, I'm in sure some I way. can. <laughs> um, Kim, what are the three things you won't miss and the three things you will miss? Okay, I might start with the positive, Trudy. I'm going to miss my colleagues. Um, I'm going to miss just being part of something that's so incredibly important that you know I'm really going to miss that and um, most of all I'm going to miss actually being in classrooms you know being with the, the, the young people uh, you know whether it's the kindy kids or the high schoolers I don't mind or anywhere in between you know just hearing about their learning that I'm going to miss that uh, the three things I'm not going to miss, I'm not going to miss the politics, I'm not going to miss the games that people play, um, and I'm not going to miss 
um, people who blame others. Because if I can leave another little gem uh, with um, people, it is that if it's your team, it's your accountability. So anything that goes wrong in a team, like in my team, I'm the leader, I'm accountable. You know? And I think you know, we can't be blaming others, throwing other people under buses. And you know, sadly, um, I hear people do that when things go wrong and I don't think it's okay. Mm. So I won't miss that. Yeah. yeah, accountability. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the next iteration for the region? And what will it take to achieve that? Yeah, look, um, I, I, I thought a, a lot about this and once again trying to keep it fairly simple. Uh, I think truly, you know, we've got our Australian curriculum. Yeah, it's still not 100% embedded and implemented in every school, but that, that's okay. Um, we've got, we've got um, people working on that as, as we speak um, and working, you know, with us and schools, you know, doing their own independent work in that space as well. I think... If we, you know, we've got that. Um, I'm aligned with, I suppose. I think the centre in this, in this case, it's in the pedagogy. It's the how we're actually um, going to to do do this. How best do we teach for understanding? And um, you know, this is hot off the press, and people will learn more about this in the next um, few days and weeks. But you know, it, it's no longer necessary uh, or will no longer be necessary for a school to actually have a pedagogical framework um, because it's going to be about you know the, the bigger picture of understanding you know one strategy like being a Mazzano or a, a Fleming school or whatever it might be you know doesn't we know now we know more than we did back mm. then um, doesn't actually cut the mustard we need to know what's the best um, teaching strategies what's the best pedagogy that are going to work um, and I'm, I'm a bit old-fashioned too I'm a passionate believer in having all staff really understand the teaching and learning cycle you know know your students and, and uh, what their needs are and what the next steps are that's good pedagogy you know in a nutshell for me so that that's where I think we're placed and um, you know uh, how are we going to achieve that well you know it's a tight focus on that it's hold the course it's have those conversations and it's it's collaboration with with uh, your peers, your colleagues, your teachers, with the region. How we're going to make how we're going to make that all come together. Mm. That's that excites me. Um, mm. it's very exciting work ahead. Mm. Kim, given your extensive experience in managing and developing school leaders, what are some of the most effective strategies you use? Oh, look, I think it's, um, I think once again, it's don't overcomplicate it. How do you identify the needs of capability development um, against the improvement agenda? So it doesn't matter whether I'm working with a, a regional staff member or whether, you know, it's in your case, you're working out with principals, uh, working with principals. Um, what's the one big ticket item of capability that, that a person needs in order to implement the improvement agenda that's relevant at their side or in their role? And, um, and how do you coach? How do you mentor? How do you build opportunities for intentional collaboration or the like to actually assist that person by working you know, shoulder to shoulder or whatever it might be with them, you know, to build that um, capability. If there's no real need, you know, 
we won't we won't build our capabilities. It's mm. got to be real to the work that you're doing. That's to me as simple and straightforward as it is. Once you've identified the need, then you work out what. It, okay, does this person need to coach it? Do they need to just have a mentor principal down the road? Do they need to go to a course? Do they need to be part of a PLC? And then just hold into account conversations with them. Because remember, our capability is actually our own responsibility. Mm. And then we work with people to help them build it. But, mm. you know, getting people to accept that it's their business to know what their needs are and it's their business to make it come to life, I suppose. Yeah. 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 I'm also going to probably give you some feedback. Okay. About feedback. Yes. Okay. Because um, one of the things that you're known for is the mantra, feedback is a gift. Yes. And I'd have to say too that that's probably a part of the culture that you've helped build in the region is that we do celebrate feedback, I guess, if it's sometimes a feedback you don't want to celebrate. But yes. it's that acceptance, I think, yes. that we accept feedback mm. and how mm. it can help mm. us grow mm. um, as individuals and as an organisation and being open to it and, and yeah. responsive to it is something else, I think, that's a legacy of your leadership mm. thanks Trudy mm. yeah well I hope so because feedback is absolutely critical yeah at all layers and yeah. levels yeah it is how we improve yeah. okay fast forward 20 years from now what will the school leaders of today have done to create a successful future uh, yeah well there's probably many many answers to that question Trudy but look I think um, you know, back when I was a last a principal, we thought we were so incredibly smart with our integrated units. You know, where you mushed everything together and you taught kids this unit and then you picked out a bit and said that was the English bit and that was the humanities bit and, you know. Uh, but, but for me, it's actually, I think our gift to students is actually the integrity of the subject disciplines. And... Um, Teaching them in those subject disciplines, though, like I'm not, not so much focused on the content, well, that's important, but teaching them to ask questions, teaching them to become problem solvers, teaching them to have critical literacy skills. I think that's the gift that we, we give to our current students. So, you know, precision and integrity in the subject disciplines because... Some would argue, and there are there are researchers out there arguing that kids don't need to go to school anymore, that school's past its use-by date. Why do you need to go when you can Google anything and find it? And to a point, there's some sense in that. However, it's the teachers in the classroom, you know, teaching kids the essence of physics or the essence of English or the, you know, what so that we know what makes physics different to English, what makes uh, English different to maths and so on. Um, you know, for me, that's it. Mm. And, of course, I'll stand uh, corrected or not as time time goes on. Mm. Yeah. It just, you've made, in describing that, you've just made me think too about those, well, they're the general capabilities, but things yes. like uh, yep. ethical decision-making. Yep. You yep. know, I can just see that becoming mm. a, a real... Mm. explosion into the future absolutely especially as you look at some of the current events around the world and yeah yeah if we don't teach teach kids ethical decision making and if we don't teach them critical 
literacy, they can build their whole life on fake news or, you know, stuff that's not evidenced. And yeah, so we have to do a really good job of that. Yeah. A really good job. Mm. Mm. Thank you. That's really thought provoking. Mm. Yeah. So the last one on, on our list, in one sentence, what would be the one thing you want all of us listening to hear? Um, a short sentence, Trudy. Student voice. Listening, give them a say and what works for them. I don't think we do that well at all. So that's something I'd love to see happen in the future. Mm. Wow. Thank you. I'm going to get a little bit emotional, but thanks, Kim, for the time and your leadership um, and yeah, the legacy that you have left mm -hmm. in central Queensland. And I know everyone listening and... Um, Peter Kelly made the joke about the festival that is Kim, and he <laughs> <laughs> but it's so um, deserved as you um, work through the last month um, of your working life, and mm -hmm. we collectively wish you all the best. And like I said, thank you for your leadership and the wisdom that you've just shared with us. Thank you, Trudy. It's been a pleasure talking to you, uh, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, as I've said, being in Central Queensland. And I say that from the yeah from the bottom of my heart, and I'm going to miss it dreadfully. Mm. If you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes, or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications@qed.qld.gov.au. If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. And if you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversations, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Trudy. Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.